1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you will, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. My family and I are grateful to be back here in Oregon. We got to go to Tennessee to spend some time with my wife's family, and then up to Indiana to spend some time with my family, and I got to preach two Sundays ago there at my home church, and then of course last week we were in Honduras, and I got to preach in Honduras, first time ever uh, with a translator. And so that was awesome, enjoyed that. And this morning I uh, said a few things wrong, and uh, one of our classmates in my class, I won't say his name, but Josh Stork said, do you need a translator? I said, yes, I think so. So we'll see if I do better today. Uh, But it is certainly good to be here and uh, be back here. And uh, what a great, great crowd, and what a great service so far. And I'm proud to be an American, thank you, thankful for our country. And I think even more so than ever after being on the mission field all week. And we don't realize how good we have it. I think we do, but sometimes we forget. And I'm thankful for our country. If we could stand to our feet and uh, look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to finish up the book today. And what a great journey it's been. I've enjoyed this passage of scripture, uh, this book, and looking forward to going on next week to something else and then getting into Second Thessalonians probably in the fall, but looking forward uh, to that. The Bible says in verse number 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. And it certainly is good to be in your house with your people. Lord, to hear the music this morning, and Lord, the orchestra, and the congregation, and to hear the preaching of your word in the 830 and then the teaching from all the classes this morning and just the fellowship time. Lord, all the children, Lord, as they go to their classes and the nursery and the teenagers upstairs and Lord, all over, Lord, your word is being preached, not just here, but all over the state and our country and all over the world right now. I pray that your word will be preached, Lord, and it will be taught clearly. Lord, may you get involved and may you help us learn and grow. Be with those online tuning in. Thank you for that. I pray you help them, Lord. Keep them close to you. And may they know they're loved and cared for. I pray that your will will be done today. May you help me to get out of the way. And may your Holy Spirit preach, Lord, today. May your word uh, resonate with us. May we be challenged. May we be helped. May we be encouraged. Lord, ultimately, we want to give you all the glory and praise. And Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There was a man who had worked all his life and had saved much money. In fact, he had been kind of referred to as a real miser. And just before he asked his wife to put all uh, uh, his money in the casket when he was buried, and he 
told his wife, he said, hey, on his deathbed, there's one thing I asked. All the money I have left, it needs to be put in the casket with me when I'm buried. His wife, a good wife she was, she said, hey, you know what? I promise to do so. (laughs) After his funeral was over, just before the casket was sealed, his wife put a white envelope into the casket and turned away. A close friend who had been present during the altercation with the husband made his selfish request to his wife. He said, you know, maybe you should reconsider your actions. By the way, he has no idea what you're going to do. And the wife responded, I cannot break my word, but I did write him a check. (laughs) A check that he will never cash, that is. And today we have a final word, if you will, not from a miser, but from the Apostle Paul to this dear church in Thessalonica. This church was one of his probably favorites, if you will, not because they were any more special than the next, just because God had done such a work there. And really, as we've gotten our title of the series, Modeling the Gospel from this church, and he writes them a few things, and may we not respond like the wife in the story, but may we respond in the right way, And take these instructions, as this church did, and may it help us, as I know it, help them. So number one, if you're writing this morning, we'll look at just three things, and several things under those three things this morning. Number one is the instructions for their worship. The instructions for their worship. And we're going to start in verse 16. We will go back to verse 14 and 15 later. But we're going to start in verse 16 today. And Paul writes some instructions for their worship. And so let's look at them. First of all, in verse 16, the Bible says, Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. It literally means to have praise in our hearts to God at all times. By the way, it is still God's will today for His people to praise Him. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And may I say, there's never a moment where it's not a good time to give thanks and praise to God. Even in our deepest, darkest moments. I think of Paul and Silas in prison. What did they do? They moped and cried. No, they sang praises to God. May I encourage you today, like the church in Thessalonica, to spend time praising God on a continual basis. The psalmist writes in Psalms 50, verse 23, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. So not only is Jesus Christ glorified when we offer praise to him, And not only are we commanded to praise God continually, but if for no other reason you have a reason to praise God, I believe we all, for a child of God, can say like it said in Luke 10, verse 20, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If nothing else you have to praise God about today, you can praise God about one thing if you're a child of God, that you have a home in heaven one day. I don't know about you, but our life on earth is going to seem like a little blip compared to eternity in heaven. I remember the day, June 22nd, 1997, I was a 10-year-old boy 
I showed up to church like every Sunday. I believe it was a Thursday night, actually, this one. Our midweek service was on Thursday at our church. And I showed up there, and the preacher started preaching, and he said something about knowing for sure where you'd spend eternity. And my heart was pricked. And I knew without a doubt if I were to die right at that second, I would not be going to heaven. Throughout that whole service, God was working on my heart. And I'll never forget the day when I went forward as soon as the invitation came. And my mom sat beside me and she explained to me that I was a sinner. That my sin, the bad things I had done was keeping me from Jesus Christ. Keeping me from God. But Jesus Christ in his love and mercy came down and died on an old cross. And paid for my sin debt. And he did that for you and me and for everyone. And all we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repent of our way of thinking, and accept Jesus Christ in their life. And I'll never forget as a young boy, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed Jesus. And I readily prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into my heart. And I'll never forget the load, the burden that was lifted. And I can say today, like we can say in Luke 10, verse 20, rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Let me ask you a question this morning. I don't know every single one of you here. I would love to get to know you. But do you know for sure, can you rejoice today because your name is written in heaven? By the way, it's not some mystery. It's not some weird thing. You can do it today. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. By the way, we'll give you an opportunity later today to do that if you'd like to trust Christ. But may I encourage you today to rejoice. Why? Because we get to go to heaven. The brilliant physician, writer Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. and his brother John represent two radically different views of the subject of flattery. Dr. Holmes loved to collect compliments. And when he was older, he was indulged in his pastime to say this to someone who praised his work. He had become very accustomed to people praising his work. And he would always say this, I'm a trifle deaf, you know. Do you mind repeating that a little louder? His brother was totally different, though, and he was very uh, unassuming and very content to live in his brother's shadow. He once said that the only compliment he ever got was from the maid who was brushing his hair, and she looked at his mom and said, you know what? John isn't as cross-eyed as I remember him being. Can you imagine? One seeked praise, one seeked affirmation, the other one wanted nothing to do with it. And I don't know who, who you are. Maybe you need praise, maybe you need affirmation. And by the way, maybe be ready to give it to people. But that's not what we do, what we do. May we always never hesitate to give praise to Jesus Christ. Because he is worthy of our praise. So Paul says today, hey, the first instruction of worship, you need to praise God, rejoice evermore. But number two, we see there should be prayer. Look at verse number 17, pray without ceasing. Now this isn't constant talking, even though some of us would probably be good at it. But it is like leaving the receiver off the hook. It's like whenever you need to, you know that you can call out to God. I don't know about you, but I love when I call someone that I need to get a hold of and I hear them pick it up. The worst is to hear, you've reached so-and-so, you know what to do. It's like, no, I don't. I know what I want to do, you know. But Jesus Christ is always there to answer. 
without ceasing, as, as someone said it this way, it's like someone with an intermittent cough. Like, they're always coughing. And even though they may not be coughing at that instance, it's at the back of their tongue and they're not surprised to hear themselves cough. And that is how we should be with Jesus Christ. We should always be ready to be calling out to him. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And in all things... Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. We see in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Paul says to this dear church, hey, your instruction for worship is you need to be one that gives praise to God. But second of all, you need to be willing to pray. Pray to God. But third of all, there should be petitions. Look at verse number 18. In everything, give thanks. A word we don't use often is petitions, but petitions means thanksgiving. Are you a thankful person? I think the most ungrateful people were the children of Israel. God took care of them time and time again, yet they always found something to complain about. Two friends met each other in the street one day. One looked forlorn, almost on the verge of tears. His friend says, what in the world has the world done to you? The fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago my uncle died and left me $40,000. Well, that's a lot of money. He says, but you see, two weeks ago, my cousin died that I've never met, and he gave me $85,000 clear and free. Sounds to me that you've been very blessed. No, you don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away, and I inherited almost a quarter million from her. Now the man's friend was clearly confused. Then why do you look so glum, he said. Because this week, I didn't get anything. Isn't that the case sometimes in our Christian life? God gives us so many good things. But yet we can always find something that God didn't do for us. I want to encourage you this morning to not only give praise to God, not only to pray to God, but be willing to give your petitions of thanksgiving to God. And then fourth of all that we see there should be permitting to the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, quench not the spirit. The word quench there means to extinguish or to stifle or stifle. As I was told earlier, I said it wrong. I did it again. As Christians, we are often guilty of stifling the Holy Spirit's work in our life. He wants us to witness. He wants us to give. He Maybe he wants us to go see someone or pray for someone or do something for him. But yet, how often we try to stifle that and say, you know what? No, 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 I'm not going to do that today. He wants to ignite something inside of us to do something for him. But how often we say, no, 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 I don't have time for that. Reminds me of a story of a ranger who was in Yellowstone and he was taking these tourists and showing them around, and he was getting so involved and showing them the different plants and trees that he ended up uh, hearing his, his walkie-talkie keep chirping, and it was annoying him, so he turned it off. And he was so engrossed in what he was doing, a few minutes later, another ranger came up and breathing heavily, he said, where have you been? 
The guy says, I'm just showing this card around. He goes, I have to tell you something. He says, we've been trying to reach you on the radio. A grizzly bear is about ready to attack you guys. Isn't it amazing how many times the Holy Spirit's trying to help us, trying to warn us of that sin, trying to warn us of Satan, trying to say, no, don't do that. But yet we can stifle it. We see Paul saying here, quench not the spirit. A flight student was flying a small plane when he hit the runway and bounced several times before stopping. And the instructor said, man, that was a very bad landing you just made. Me, replied the student, I thought you were landing the plane. (laughs) And isn't that the case sometimes? The Holy Spirit says, hey, give me control of your life. And we want to say, no, no, give it to me. The Holy Spirit says, okay, here you go. And then we get upset when we have a rough landing. May I encourage us tonight... Quench the Spirit. So we see this morning we should give praise to God. We should give prayer to God. We should give petitions of thanksgiving to God. We should be permitting the Holy Spirit to work in our life. And then, fifth of all, there we should be, there should be a priority to the Word of God. The Bible says in verse number 20, despise not prophesying. The word despise means to make of no account. And Paul is saying here, there's some people who are guilty of hearing the word of God and picking and choosing what they want to hear and putting the rest out of the way. And Paul's saying, hey, the word of God is not a buffet for you to feast on and pick and choose what you want. Sure, you can feast on the word of God, but you need to feast on the whole word of God. Paul says, hey, church, you really want to worship God? Don't, don't despise. Don't make no account. But no, the word of God should be a priority in your life. James 1, 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, receiving, deceiving your own selves. So Paul gives some instructions of worship. He says there needs to be praise, there needs to be prayer, there needs to be petitions of thanksgiving, there needs to be allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You need to have priority to the word of God. But then number two today, I want us to see what worship can do. And we see, number two, the importance of their walk. The importance of their walk. And we're going to jump back up to verse 14 now. It says there, now we exhort you, brethren. We instruct you, brethren. We plead with you, brethren. Hey, there's something you need to do. He says there needs to be compassion toward all men. The Bible says there, uh, in verse number 14, warn them that are unruly. The word unruly means out of their rank. They're supposed to be doing one thing and they're doing something else. During a parent-teacher meeting, Miss Nichols told the Nettles, In my 30 years of teaching, your son is my favorite student to have absent. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how some are just unruly? Romans 15.1 shares with us what we're supposed to do with unruly people. He says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and to not please ourselves. Galatians 6.2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Some people are just difficult to get along with. But it doesn't mean we just push them aside. It means we got to find a way to help them get back where they need to be. We see not only warn the unruly, but number two, comfort the feeble-minded. The Bible says in verse 14, comfort the feeble-minded. This is not someone with a mental problem, but those who are simply weak in the faith. Those who seem to be blown off course by everything that happens to them in life. 
Those who always seem to focus on the negative instead of the positive. Those when trials or difficulties come along, they push them to the wayside. And Paul says, hey, no, no, you need to come alongside and you need to comfort those. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to help encourage people to look at the positive side of things. Look to Jesus. He's the one who can help keep you encouraged and strengthened. The Bible goes on to say in verse 14, support the weak. Not those who are weak physically, but those who are weak spiritually. Those who aren't strong and need someone to come alongside them and help them. I don't know how many times throughout the years as a pastor I've made a visit or I've sent a text or I've given a call or I've sent a note or sent a letter. And it seems like some people you get more of that than others because they need extra help. But that's what we're called to do as Christians, to support those who are weak. Hey, we want to see ya. I remember one family one time in Turlock, I had overheard them talking to another family and they said, what made you come to Lighthouse? And they says, well... Pastor Justin, I'm thinking, oh, good. Praise the Lord. He wouldn't quit coming by our house. Whoa. (laughs) Sorry about that. But in other words, we got to come alongside people sometimes. And maybe you're a Sunday school teacher this morning, or maybe God's put you in charge of some people. Let me encourage you. There's some that maybe you just get frustrated with, but doesn't mean give up on them. Just keep on encouraging them in the faith encouraging to stay close to the Lord. The Bible goes on to say they're to, uh, to be patient toward all men. Be patient toward all men. To be long-hearted. A lady's husband had had heart surgery and she received a later letter saying the husband was going to inherit $1 million. She was worried, though, that her husband with his health condition wouldn't be able to handle that news and perhaps could have a heart attack. So she called the pastor up and said, hey, will you tell the good news to my husband? The pastor says, okay. So he says, Joe, if you were to have $1 million, what would you do? Joe responded, why, pastor, I'd give it to you. The pastor died of a heart attack instead. (laughs) We're supposed to support the weak. We're supposed to be there for people and help them along. Be patient toward all men. James 1.19 Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Sometimes it's hard to be patient with people. It reminds me of a story of a choir that was practicing for a concert when the director said, eight years ago, I was directing another choir with the same exact anthem and they made the same mistake you're making. A choir member called out, Well, the only common thing, it's the same director. (laughs) Some people can just be a challenge. And how is it even remotely possible to be patient with people and to help the weak and to help those who are feeble? How is it it even possible? By our own strength? Absolutely not. We need the grace of God in our life. But it's kind of possible. Verse 15 gives us a little bit of, of hope. It says, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. You know what Paul's saying? There should be forgiveness toward all men. Our natural response to those who are very difficult to spend time with or very difficult to help is to give evil back to them. But the Bible says here, no, 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 render every man not evil evil, but render every man good. Give him good. 
Paul says you're going to have to learn to forgive people. Romans 12, 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Instead of us doing what we think we, they deserve, we just need to give it to God and instead forgive. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, 32, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I read this story this week and it just blew me away about forgiveness. Not long after she died in 1988, a monument of surprising candor, a moment of surprising candor rather, in television, Marganita Lasky was one of the best known secular humanists and novelists and did not believe in God at that time. And she said this to the crowd, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody who will forgive me. And isn't that the case sometimes? People, it's not natural to forgive. But because Christ forgave us, we must forgive others. The word of God implores us to, as I just read. There should be forgiveness, there should be compassion, but there also should be discernment toward all things. The Bible says in verse 21, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The word prove all things is to scrutinize and put it to the test. And the Bible is saying here, every activity we do, everything we go around, every action, every desire, every goal, every plan should be in line with the word of God. If you do something, I remember oftentimes going with my friend or something, my mom would say, son, remember Jesus is always watching. It's like, thanks, mom. I can't have fun anywhere, you know. But may everything we do be lined up with Scripture. And we know that God's going to be pleased. So we see the instructions for our worship. We see the importance of our walk. But may I say when we're worshiping right and our heart's right with God, our walk's going to be the right walk, which will in turn give us an impact of their witness. Let's see the impact of their witness this morning. The Bible says in verse number 22, Abstain from all appearance of evil. In this verse, we're challenged to hold ourselves back from anything that even has the hint of the evil one about it. Oftentimes, our witness is hindered because people can't tell the difference between us and the unsaved. I want to encourage you this morning, if your worship is right, your walk's going to be right, and then your witness can be impactful. Why would anybody want to give their life to Christ if we're not living for the Lord? We're not trying to please Him. And so we see the impact of their witness. Matthew 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that's what we're here to do, be a light and to glorify God. We need to remember that we are the only people that the only Bible, rather, that many people will ever see. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine. I read that. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Sorry about that, guys. The Bible says, ye are our apostle written in, epistle written in your hearts, known and read of all men. You see, our lives are open letters to the world, and our lives should be a good testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful as our teenagers got to share the gospel this week, as Pastor mentioned, in fact, many adult, of our adults did too. In fact, I think all of us did. 
It was neat to see that they weren't just talking the talk, but they were walking the walk as well. By the way, I, I know it was a small sample of our teenagers, but I thank God for our teenagers. I thank God for Brother TJ and Sarah, Miss Sarah and Brother Derek and Miss Becca, their influence in those teens. God's given us some wonderful teenagers. And may I just encourage us, by the way, many of our teenagers who are now college students, I see you. Praise the Lord, you're doing a great job as well. May we continue to live our lives of worshiping God, which will then impact our walk and then will impact our witness. And I believe with all my heart, if our worship is right, if our walk is right, and we're declaring the gospel, God's going to bless our impact of our witness. And then we see, in conclusion, I I didn't read this, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. And then Paul kind of just wraps things up in verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. After he gives us all these things we need to do in worship and in our walk and our witness, he then says, hey, let Jesus Christ sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit and your body, and may it be preserved blameless. You're not going to do that on your own. Jesus Christ wants to do that through you. And many times people will say, there's no way I can be perfect. Not perfect as in sinless, but perfect as in matured. Jesus Christ wants to do a work in your life. You say, well, how is that even possible? You don't know me, Pastor Justin. Well, you don't know me either. But I do know one thing that's a promise from God's word in verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And I can only say one thing to that. If you will let God do it, he will change your life. But oftentimes we don't let him do it, do we? Don't do that, buddy! I got this. No, no, don't do it! Okay, Lord, I won't do it. I'll get in your word again. I'll pray. I'll get back in church. I'll stay faithful. I'll witness. Okay, good, good, good. I can start sanctifying. I can start getting you where I need you to be. The Bible goes on to say in verse 25, Brethren, pray for us. Can you imagine being Paul as he's in Corinth? He wants to be in Thessalonica so bad. He cannot go because of the security of Jason and how they made a commitment that they would not cause any more problems. So he has to send Timothy. And he says, hey, we're still continuing to do the work. Will you still pray for us, church? May I encourage you today to pray for each other. And then verse 26, Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. May we continue to greet each other with your handshaking. Okay. And then verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Could you imagine as Paul writes this, thinking this is just for this church and how many lives it's impacted through the years. And then verse 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God in my life. Just a few final words here Paul gives. But I think if we will do them, and by the way, I know this is a familiar passage. It's way more familiar to me than some of the passages I preached out of 1 Thessalonians. But I do believe we can take these instructions to help our worship. We can take this worship, and I believe it will impact our walk, and it will show the importance of it. And if we'll apply what we're learning with our worship, it will impact our witness as well. May I encourage you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, to come to him. He would love to welcome you into his family.
I encourage you also to spend time worshiping God. And if you worship God, I believe it will change your walk. And if your walk is changed, I believe it will impact for a powerful witness in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I don't know about you or where you're at today, but I do know one thing. The Lord has challenged me with this passage of Scripture. Maybe you're sitting there today and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven. May I say, if you don't know for sure, Jesus Christ loves you and he gave his life for you. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. As I mentioned, I was just a 10-year-old boy. Several children gave their life to Christ this week in Honduras. You don't have to be an adult. You don't have to be a teenager to give your life to Christ. You can give your life to Christ no matter what age you are. All you have to do is realize you're a sinner and that sin is keeping you from God. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay for your sins. And the only way to pay for your sins is to give your life to Christ. Maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, no, that's me. Pastor Justin, just like you as a 10-year-old boy, I realize that I'm not saved. I don't want to be embarrassed and I won't. I just want to pray for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe one or two of you would say, that's me. That's me. Maybe in the balcony or maybe on the front row, you'd say, that's me. I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. If that's you, you just slip up your hand real quick and put it down. I want to pray for you. Anybody this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. Just say something like this in your heart. Maybe someone online. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to go there. I want to go to heaven. Lord, I believe and trust in you, and I invite you into my life. I repent of my way of thinking, and I believe in you. I want you to come inside of me and dwell within me. Lord, please come out and save me and take away my sins so I can go to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe someone would say, I prayed that prayer. If that's you, you slip up your hand. I want to rejoice with you. You say, you know, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. My worship isn't where it needs to be. I haven't been very uh, thankful lately. I haven't been praising God like I should. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been praying. I haven't been allowing the word of God to touch my life. I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to really work in my life lately. And I I hate to admit it, but I know it's true. No one's looking around. But how many of you say that to me? Will you pray for me that my worship will grow this year? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? God bless you. Praise the Lord all over. If you, know, if you know that's true, then I believe that will impact your walk. Maybe there's some that would say, you know, I haven't been able to love on some difficult people in my life very good. And will you pray for me, Pastor Justin, that I will allow God to, to work in my life so I'll be able to help those who are weak around me, those who are struggling, maybe those who are out of line, maybe those who, who are really becoming a burden, that, that I'll just be patient, I'll be loving to them, and I'll help them along. If that's you, will you slip your hand? God bless you. I see those hands. And last but not least, how many would say, you know what? My witness isn't like it should be. And I'll be honest with you. I, need to, I want to be more impactful. Maybe that's you this morning. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. And Lord, maybe there's someone that needs to put their faith in you today. Or maybe there's someone who needs to work on their worship a little bit. They, they need to be more uh, praising toward you, glorifying you more. They need to be more thankful. They need to be more of a prayer warrior. They need to spend more time in your word and allow it to work in your life. They need the Holy Spirit to move. 
Lord, maybe there's some that are struggling a little bit with their walk and they're having a difficult time getting along with people who are just difficult to be with, but they need you to give them patience, give them strength, give them the grace to be able to help them along. They need to be able to have that forgiving heart and that discernment to help go to you and, and their life journey and decisions. And Lord, maybe there's some this morning that need some help in their witness they want to impact more people, but their life isn't really matching up with their talk. And I pray you hope to challenge them in that area. And may they be more bold of a witness, Lord. I pray you'll help us, Lord. You said that you've called us and you are faithful and you will do it. And may you do it in our life. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. And it's just a time where we can come forward maybe and pray and get along with God. We have our pastors up here. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to make a decision of baptism or maybe joining the church and maybe taking that next step of growth. Maybe God's working in your life. Uh, We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, Maybe someone just needs someone to pray with them. You say, I'm going through a difficult time, a hard time, and I just want you to pray for me. One of the pastors would love to do that. Let me encourage you in that area. Many are making decisions. Let me encourage you to pray in your heart for them, if you will, and allow God to work. God bless you. You may be seated. Just a few things I want to make mention, and that is uh, Alex Lee has gotten accepted Christ as a Savior.